Nick Finlay. Thank you for joining the Industry Observer podcast presented by APRA AMCOS. No worries. Thanks, Poppy. Thanks for having us here at Triple J as well. So tomorrow marks a year exactly since the Industry Observer revealed that you had taken the role of music director, mm-hmm. moving up from assistant music director. Has life changed much? Not much. I mean, probably for about 18 months before you guys announced that story, we'd been working unofficially in roles very similar to what we're at now. Uh, so, you know, ever since our Triple J Radio family expanded and we had uh, Triple J, Double J Unearthed and also Double J Radio helping coordinate the music for local radio, um, you know, roles had been stretched and, and it was just more of a formalising of how we'd sort of positioned ourselves. Uh, if anything, my inbox is a hell of a lot fuller than it was a year ago. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, it's all, you know, it, business as usual here at Triple J. And how does your role compare to how Richard undertook the role? Well, I've been working with Richard for over 10 years now. Um, and uh, as a group music director, where which he's sort of overseeing more of the managerial and wider sort of directions of all our networks, he's still around. Um, but really, I guess... My role hasn't changed too much to what Richard was doing because it's just very similar to what I was doing and we were working as a team. Um, so I like to think that we're trying to squeeze as, as much amazing, excellent new music on the radio as we can. But, you know, I would say that Richard was doing the exact same thing as well, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So as I said, you know, business as usual. When it comes to Triple J, we've always just got to get through as much exciting music that is coming out of Australia and try and get as much of it on the radio. That's our number one goal. And just on Richard again, so how closely do you work with him in your role? I'm wondering um, when artists and publicists and managers come in to pitch stuff to you, do you get to say, yes, that's amazing, I'm going to put that, I'm going to playlist that tomorrow? Um, or do you chat to him first? How does it work? Oh, yeah, no, I see all the publicists and, and record reps and, and managers and, and artists who come into service music to me or just, you know, service music to me digitally. Um, and I'll often be the one coordinating with shows about where we're going to line up premieres and things like that. When it comes to playlisting, it's always been a group effort. So what we do now, what we have been doing, you know, for the five to, or, or ten years that I've been working here is that um, the Triple J music team sits down and makes the decisions of what finally goes to air. The music team being myself, being Gemma Pike, our assistant music director, being Carla Car- Ramby, who's also um, works in our music department, and Richard obviously gets involved as well. But this comes after we've had meetings with all our key music presenters chatting to them about what they've heard in the last seven days, what they're really liking, sort of exchanging a few notes, having the same meeting with the Unearth team and having the same meeting with the Double J team. So by the time we sit down and um, discuss, you know, what we're going to add to rotation the following week, we've gone through a couple of hours of chats across music teams, programmers, uh, you know, the Unearth crew. I mean, I work in an office with over 50 incredible music heads. So a music director would be a fool not to lean on them and find what some of the most exciting music is. So that's how it works now and how it has always worked, you know, at Triple J. We're really group focused and it's never just one person calling the shots. That's what's so fascinating to me. So there are so many incredible artists that Triple J promotes and champions, but there's also so many incredible songs out there that just cannot be playlisted due to capacity and stuff like that. And so a lot of Triple J presenters, when they're interviewed, um, they say, and this is rightly so, oh, you know, it's just about the song. The song defines whether it will be playlisted or not. But what if there are incredible tracks that are just 
obviously you're at capacity, you can't, and they do miss out. So what other factors contribute to a song being added to the playlist aside from it being an incredible song well you have hit the nail on the head where um the number one thing is the strength of the song and that's what we'll always base it on but you're also right you know we can't fit everything on the radio which is what is so exciting for our triple j radio umbrella has sort of expanded so much over the last five years having unearthed digital radio station having double j uh if a song can fit for you know maybe Double J and Triple J, but uh, Triple J, you know, doesn't have the space to fit it and Double J does have the space to fit it and it's going to benefit both demographics. I find it's better that it gets some airplay somewhere than no airplay at all. But again, it's not just about rotation to get airplay. Our specialist presenters, um, you know, for like the hip hop show, for Roots and All, Short Fast Lad, The Racket, etc., they're champions. The presenters of those shows are champions of those scenes. So they're playing a lot of stuff, um, which is really relevant to those, um, genres and those scenes, which we may not be able to get to for a daytime rotation. And the same when it comes to presenter choices. I mean, you'll, uh, listen to Linda Mariano in mornings and she'll drop in some hot fire, which she's just, you know, picked up a couple of days ago. And it may be something that, you know, we, haven't even stumbled across yet um so she'll be getting it on air as one of her own choices before we may have even had the chance to review it in one of our musing meetings saying that that's another example of why it's always great at triple j that we're leaning on presenters on producers on the rest of the music team to find amazing stuff because there's only so much music two sets of ears can really pick up also we have to make sure what we add to the radio each week is a great reflection of um of what's getting played on air and and, and what the, the Australian music scene and international music scene sounds like at this moment and how it's relevant to our audience. So for example, we had our music meeting today where we um you know looked at what we're going to be adding to rotation next week. I still have about 100 songs holding over which could all be added to rotation. And each week, more and more and more comes onto this plate. So we have to sit down each week and make sure what we do add to rotation is a really perfect mix. You know, you have at least half of them being Australian, and those Australian acts have to be from uh, different parts of the country and uh, show a diverse value of sounds. We want to see a diverse amount of genders. Uh, We want to see people from different countries. So you may have a week where you have a whole bunch of exciting uh, indie rock stuff coming up, but they're not always going to fit in that one week's worth of new music additions. So it's a bit of a juggling act. It's so interesting that you said there about um, making sure that it has a diverse, the gender parity is a good split there. So what if you're, you've done your playlist and it's very male heavy? Do you then just stand by it or do you go, no, wait, let's rejig this? Is this a playlist for? A, a playlist for Triple J. Uh, it's in like a, a show's name. playlist, or what we're uh, or what we're adding to rotation. What you're, what you're next adding week. to rotation. Well, we would. One of the sort of things is we want to make a, a a good diverse mix of sounds, genres, and things like that. So we probably wouldn't ever put an ads list out that was all guys because we see that as being a problem. We'd also see that as not being reflective of what music is like it you know in 2018 there's so many incredible acts coming out from you know different people of 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 backgrounds and gender so we would be doing a disservice to our listeners if we um weren't keeping true to that so it's always front of mind when that meeting happens yeah which is why sometimes you know 
and if there's any artists or artist managers out there hearing this, they'll probably attest to it. You know, I may say, wow, I really love this song. And then it doesn't get added to rotation for about five weeks. And that could have been just simply because we've had so much good music come through. And we just need to make sure that the mix each week for our new music editions is spot on. And you were talking before about the different presenters and how they have different tastes and picking up on different songs sometimes before you do. Um, I listened to your chat with Rodney Holder for his podcast, That Music Business Facts. Awesome. And you said, and I'm paraphrasing completely, you said that when those, those who are pitching should pay attention to the tastes of each show host and make sure that you're fulfilling what they're into as well? I guess that's just about smart servicing. Um, when everyone was still servicing CDs um, and you'd have people send in a single and there would attention one to every single staff member at the station, including people who work in the web team, including people and you know journalists at Hack, um, metal bands were sending CDs to the hip-hop show presenters. And that's just not smart, you know? So if you're um, an artist making, uh, you know, hardcore music, you'd be attentioning that to the short, fast, loud guys. You'd be, you know, to Josh, you'd be uh, trying to hook up with Lachlan from The Racket, Declan as well from Home and Host because it's relevant. You wouldn't be attentioning it to um, KLP from House Party. So that's just what I meant when it comes to um, being smart about where you service your music. And that's just not from a presenter's point of view. It's from a station point of view, regardless of who you are and how you're servicing your music and who you're servicing it to. You've got to really be honest and say, is what I have here, is it relevant to this outlet before you really press send? If you're an emerging or mid-career songwriter, then this message is for you. On July 6, APRA AMCOS and Creative Victoria present The Melbourne Sessions. It's a unique, one-day-only event where global hitmakers, producers and screen composers lead masterclasses and workshops to advance careers. Tickets are very limited and selling fast at themelbournesessions.com.au. And so, Nick, what other tips do you have for people who are looking to pitch for you for playlisting? Well, firstly, anyone can pitch music to uh, the Triple J Music Department, the Double J Music Department, Unearthed and Presenters. We love people just to send us emails with links to WAV downloads. That really is how you service music in 2018. Back in the day, it always used to be people would come in Mondays and Tuesdays, sit down, have sort of designated, you know, mornings where we play music and chat about what blah, 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 blah. We still have those, but they're time consuming. And if you're an up and coming DIY band from Western Australia, the last thing you should be spending your money on is playing tickets over to the ABC in Sydney to see me on a Monday or Tuesday when really uh, sending me an email, uh, following it up with a phone call, um, it's a uh, better use of my time. It's better use of your time. And there's definitely no preference when it comes to whether we do see people on a Monday or Tuesday or whether we get stuff sent to us digitally. Those record rep meetings on Mondays and Tuesdays are open to um, anyone. They're not just for, uh, you know, people in major labels or publicists. You know, I, I have DIY bands come and see me on the reg. Again, just reiterating, more than happy for things to be sent to me digitally. And when you do present music to us, Strip it back to the basics. If you're sending me a link, I just want a WAV download link. You could send me a stream. It could be a, a private SoundCloud link. It could be a private Dropbox stream and a press release or some dot points. Don't ever feel like you need to, you know, jazz things up with a lot of bells and whistles. Usually when you get something serviced to you with a whole bunch of additional stuff around it, 
it sort of feels like they're trying to hide something or trying to make up for a, a song which may not be the best. So just strip it back to the basics and, and send me an email with a, a download link, um, a little bit of info behind, uh, about you, and, and realize that because of how many emails I get, I may not get back to you straight away, but never hesitate to give me a call or send a follow-up email. I'm always happy to answer people's questions. How many emails do you get a day? Uh, hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, per day. Yeah, I, I did. I, I had about four or five weeks off uh, last year, and even with a um, out of office on, I came back to an inbox up to about fifty thousand emails or something stupid like that. Yeah, that is stupid. It's ridiculous. My goodness. Wow. Okay. And that open door policy. That does that mean that an artist should book an appointment, or should they should they just come and see if you're free? Like, what is that? Best thing to do is just to email me first up. You know, let me know if you are going to be in the area, um, and then I can you know talk to you either via email or phone. One whether it's worthwhile making the effort in. Sometimes it is good to sit down with someone and chat to them about you know what their broad approach is and stuff like that. But other times. As I said, you know, you could come to the ABC once you get through security, once you come up to Triple J, once you wait around, that could eat up an hour of your time only to see me for two minutes. You know, that's, that's, time is money and, and you've just wasted some of your own time and that could be better used writing the next hit song. That's right. It has to be worthwhile for them. And what about hip hop and pop music? What are the best presenters to keep front of mind when you're servicing those kind of tracks? Well, I hate the term pop because, um, it's so broad and, uh, also, a lot of people have a negative connotation with it, whereas some of the best songs that come out are pop tracks. Well, to my eyes, Absolutely. would be pop tracks. Uh, but to another person's eyes, it could be something completely different. Um, hip-hop, I mean, hip-hop is so mainstream nowadays that you know I don't think uh, people should um, partition pop or hip-hop, so to speak, as being in the shadows, especially not at Triple J. Um, obviously, hip-hop, we have Hal Latukefu, who runs our hip-hop programs on Thursday nights. Um, and obviously Declan uh, from Home and Hose, if you're an Australian artist, you've got to be sending everything to Declan. You know, he's a legend and has uh, such a good ear for music, so he's going to want to listen to it. But I mean, you know, people like Linda Mariano, you know, she is a big fan of dance, hip hop, indie. Um, uh, you know, some of the uh, dance programs like KLP um, would be really keen on it. The Aston Shuffle guys, maybe even. What's important to know is also the people that work at Triple J are fans of music in general. And no one's, you know, a genre snob. Um, so it's just about being truthful and going, okay, is this something that, you know, Linda's going to enjoy or, or Triple J's going to enjoy? And, and putting your energy into that. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time for you. So how do you identify what artists fit within the 18 to 24 demo that Triple J is um, versus what needs to be moved over to Double J? It's never really an artist-based approach when it comes to what gets programmed across our different stations. Again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it does come back to the strength of the song and what that song really means to each demographic. So you may have an artist which uh, has made music relevant to Triple J's 18 to 24 demographic for a long time, but all of a sudden have come back with something which... Uh, fits Double J's 30 plus demographic and so they'll start getting played there but then they could come back and release something which is perfect for Triple J again so they come back to Triple J. Vice versa, you could have an artist who's still starting out, they could be very young, they could be making music which is perfect for Double J's audience so we position them there. It's never one or the other and it always comes back to 
the strength of the song. How we decide on it, it's, it's a variety of factors. There's, it's never really like we're ticking boxes or anything like that. It does come down to music director's gut feeling as well as what the artist is doing outside the world of that song, be it who they're touring with, uh, um, shows that they're playing with, uh, and things like that. So we would never pigeonhole an artist and say, oh, you're a triple J artist, oh, you're a double J artist. Uh, we review everything on face value um, and it always comes back to the strength of the song, which is why our meetings with uh, the double J crew and the Unearthed crew are so helpful because sometimes I'll be giving something to Dot and Steven down at double J, which they haven't heard of yet. And same thing, they'll be coming back and going, you really need to get across this. Or Dave Ruby Howe, you know, who's the music director at Unearthed and listens to some, um, you know, absolutely amazing amounts of fresh Australian talent will always come up and go like, you guys need to check out this one and attention it to Triple J or attention it to Double J. And then we'll talk amongst ourselves. I just love that you said that. I feel like you debunked a narrative that's been in the underbelly of the music industry, maybe for the more ill-informed though, mm. for a really long time, where people thought that you once you moved over to Double J, that was where you stood. So I, I really love that you debunked that. Yeah, definitely not. And there's always, you know, when, when misinformation gets out there, it can be often a lot harder to push it away than, than when it, what it took to um, have rumours start to spread. But, yeah, it's always based on song and it's not, you know, like, oh, you've reached 30, better move over there. I love that. So you've been with Triple J for over a decade now. What, what year are we in? 2018? No, no. I mean, <laughs> how many years have you been with Triple J? Oh, God, um, 11 years. 11? Yeah. I've are been... you doing long service leave? Uh, not yet. Because uh, you took over from Richard while he did his long service leave, didn't you, in 2012? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, was, um, I was working as assistant music director at the time when Richard mm. had nine blissful months off, uh, enjoying um, some time with the family. Um, look, I've got no plans to take leave you know, like that anytime soon. I've been in radio since I was 15, uh, you know, working and in, in volunteering at community stations. Um, and so for me, it's, you know, I've spent more time in my life being involved in radio than I have been living. Um, so, yeah, I can't really see myself um, jumping on uh, some extended leave yet. I, I've got the bug too much. And the last 12 months especially must have been quite unique for you. Do you have a highlight from the last 12 months? Tell you what, the last 12 months feel more like the last three months. They've gone past so quickly. Um, one big highlight has obviously been just the success of our most recent Hottest 100. I mean, I always love, uh, you know, year on year on year, um, we, uh, you know, grow and have a stronger audience and have a bigger um, uh, countdown than ever. And this year was just even stronger. And I think the... Uh, Results from what people have voted in were a really nice sort of snapshot of, of, of where Australia is in music at this moment. Um, but I've also really enjoyed um, travelling around the country uh, through conferences like Big Sound and Wham and Face the Music and getting to meet a bit more face-to-face -face a lot of the passionate people that work in the Australian music industry. It's a small industry, let's face it. Everyone knows each other and you all sort of rub, rub shoulders. But when you... Get the time to sit down and, and really chat to someone and feel the burning passion they have for what they're doing. It reignites you and you get really excited about what is happening in this country. What about low lights? Any low moments? No, nah, there's no low lights when you work around Triple J. It's always fun. <laughs> Good answer. Okay, so what about your absolute top moment? So we did highlights, but from the last 12 months, the moment that you look back and you go, yeah, that was a career highlight. 
I mean, look, taking on the role of music director has probably been a career highlight. I think, um, you know, I'd be amiss to, to not mention that. When I was five or six, I used to pretend to play radio in my bedroom. You know, I'd be taping Triple J on tape decks and sort of switching between the two and sort of pretending to be a radio DJ. Um, so I was always in the back of my mind had the idea that I wanted to work here. I never would have thought I, I would have, you know, reached where I had at, at the age that I have. Um, so that's really the highlight for me. So cool. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so let's talk about your um, predictions for the next 12 months for, for some Aussie artists. Do you mm. have a few artists that you're like, these are the ones that are going to break, Look, pay attention? I think a lot of the ones that I am flagging for having big things in the next 12 months have probably already broken to a degree, but um, they've broken on strength of song, which is just so powerful, and to see what they're going to continue to do in the next year is what's really exciting. Uh, I mean, thinking of just what's happening right at this moment, um, Odette is uh, premiering her new track with Jenna Lewis on Drive. Uh, and for a songwriter who's, I think she's still only 20, um, and this is her third ever song, uh, she's just mind-blowing. Uh, so I'm really, and has a lot of diversity in the sound, so I'm really excited to see where she goes. We can't ignore the success of, of, um, of Baker Boy as well in the, oh my you know, in the last uh, year. Yeah, I mean, with Mr. Lighty Daddy coming out early this year, uh, early this month, that's his third song to come out. And the last two tracks were in the Hottest 100. Like, he's got a huge future. Um, but the other artists, just to quickly rattle off, uh, I think Brisbane songstress Hatchie is really coming to her own. Uh, slowly, slowly from Melbourne, a sort of harking back to almost like that sort of Kiss Chasey era of sort of uh, emo pop punk at a time where it's just perfect and people are frothing from it. Out of Western Sydney, Kwame is an absolutely incredible MC and producer and the EP that he's put out um, is just phenomenal. His latest single, Wow, sounds so good on air and he keeps on popping up on all these other artists' stuff and I'm like... Chill, Kwame, you've got so much good music and I can't fit it on the radio yet. Um, and then on top of that, uh, Moaning Lisa, who are a four-piece from Canberra and our Groove in the Moo winners for the ACT leg, uh, they are fantastic and do some great uh, sort of uh, 90s-inspired grungy rock. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens with them. From an overseas front as well, you, you know, I can't wait for Yeji to come back with some great new music. That uh, Korean DJ is just phenomenal. Uh, and Super Organism, I mean, I know that they just released their debut album and were a bit of the talk of the town when it came to South By, but I'm pumped for their Splendor in the Grass performance because I've heard it's going to be bonkers. Just listening to you and seeing how excited you were about all those artists equally, I mean, obviously the listeners can't see your face, but you are so excited about each one. And I think that just shows how diverse your music taste is. I mean, looking back at that, we've got hip hop, we've got EDM, we've got um, pop punk and stuff in there. Mm, I think mm. that's just that's just so incredible. Of course, you have this role. Yeah. Duh. Oh well, you know, you've got to uh, you've got to embrace all music. I mean, I don't understand how some people are just you know only listen to one sound of one style of music because there's so much incredible stuff out there. That for me, I uh, am definitely not a genre snob and just want to eat up as much incredible new music as I can. One that I forgot, and I have to uh, tip my hat to Angie McMahon, uh, the Melbourne songstress, saw her for the first time at uh, Big Sound last year and was absolutely blown away. And again, Missing Me, first song properly released, uh, made it in the top 30 for Hottest 100. 
uh, and she's just going to be huge in a couple of that years. That voice. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Now, we're going to finish on a bit of a serious note because it would be remiss of me to not have the music director of Triple J here without asking him about the recent talk about content quotas on radio stations. As you know, APRA AMCOS is spearheading a bit of an investigation um, into commercial radio along with ARIA and um, Commercial Radio Australia. But what's your view on what's happening around that right now? I think if it's any opportunity for more Australian artists to receive exposure through radio airplay, through streaming services, uh, through TV, more the merrier. Uh, I mean, I'm really proud of Triple J's Australian uh, quota. We have a self-imposed 40% minimum, um, but every month for the last couple of, or probably for the last 18 months, we've been hitting 50 plus. And I think on average for 2017, our on-air quota was closer to 60. This was not a difficult amount to reach. We're flooded with so much incredible Australian music at the moment and an audience which is so ready to accept it and so ready to champion and get excited about Australian acts. So I'm, I'm all for it. If we can boost Australian music exposure domestically and internationally, sign me up. And what about the streaming quota conversation? So Dean Ormston from APRA AMCOS is pushing for a 25% minimum on locally curated playlists. What is your view on that? Again, I, w- I think any exposure for um, Australian artists is is perfect. And obviously, you know, streaming services are huge providers of music when it comes to how people are consuming music in 2018, which is why, you know, from the word go, Triple J was heavily involved with Spotify. When when Spotify launched, uh, we had playlists straight away and our Triple J hit list playlist on Spotify is one of the most subscribed to playlists on Spotify Australia. Now, the fact that that's one of the most subscribed to and it probably has more than 50% Australian music because it's a representation of what we add each week shows that the audience, be it uh, people listening to the radio, be it people listening to uh, something on a streaming service on their phone, they're keen to sit, hear Australian stuff. So 25%, that won't be hard. Uh, I, you know, I know some of the curators at, at some of the DSPs around Australia and um, I think that would be incredibly easy for them to, to hit. Now, you would never say it, but I can. Commercial radio could learn a lot from Triple J, I think, yeah. I think, again, any opportunity is going to be fantastic. And I do know a bunch of um, uh, commercial radio music directors who are strong champions of Australian music, um, and they may not often get the spotlight pointed on them as as much as they should, but um, there are definitely fans of Australian music, you know, scattered throughout all the radio elements, commercial community and uh, and public. Um, So, yeah, bring it on. More opportunity for Australians to get out there and, and, and hear great music. Nick Finlay, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks, Poppy. If you write or perform songs, you need to connect with APRA AMCOS. The music rights organisation collects songwriting royalties for over 95,000 songwriters and composers. It also supports music creators through networking events, workshops, mentoring sessions and grants programs. Go to apraamcos.com.au to find out more.